Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Vlakis, and I'm an expert certified fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist, a multiple award-winning virtual fertility and pregnancy nutrition clinic serving thousands from around the world, and of course, the host of this pod, Fertility Friendly Food. This podcast is dedicated to all things health and nutrition in the world of fertility, reproductive health, and pregnancy. Each week, I bring you practical snack-sized episodes to help improve your lifestyle on your trying-to-conceive journey, alongside guest expert interviews to help inspire you to learn and grow whilst you grow your family. Welcome back, everyone, and this episode marks halfway through our March mini-series for Endometriosis Awareness Month. I hope you've been loving the topics and info we have been sharing with you so far this month. We're so excited to be bringing you a couple more episodes to round out the month. Next week is about SIBO and endometriosis, but today's episode is going to be a big one. It's going to be all about dealing with endo belly and bloating with a huge focus on practical tips in the both short and long term. Just before we get into the episode today, I wanted to remind you to make sure to grab your ticket to the Nourishing Gut Health for Endometriosis live masterclass on Thursday, March 23rd, 2023, 7pm Sydney time. Come join me, learn more about the relationship between endometriosis and gut health, including the gut microbiome from the latest research and understand how to tackle common and bothersome symptoms like bloating, constipation, diarrhea, and nausea with super practical tips that you can take away and implement. We have tickets on sale now. Spots are filling quick, so make sure you get them today. The link is in our show notes and this does include a ticket to the live event and the recording. And if you can't make it or you want to rewatch, plus, of course, we give you a take home workbook summarizing all the key points and practical tips from the masterclass. Tickets are just 75 Aussie dollars and $10 will be going to the incredible work that the Pelvic Pain Foundation of Australia does who raise awareness for pelvic pain conditions like endometriosis amongst adolescents in high schools to reduce their time to diagnosis if they are symptomatic. So one last stop before we get into the endo belly content. I know you're all chomping at the bit, but every week we do answer a question from our listeners in our incredible community. So if you do want to submit a question to the pod and have me answer it in a more long form format, then please head down, click the link in the show notes, 30 second question form and submit. We love receiving them. Or if you're feeling a little more brave, you can submit a voice memo to our Instagram account at the underscore dietologist, slide into our DMs, let us know it's a potty question and we will feature your voice memo here. So today's question is all about gut health and endo. So I think I've really uh, started the conversation on this one with this mini series, which is, is the low FODMAP diet the very first stop on the gut health management pathway with endometriosis? And it's a fantastic question. And the short answer is no. The low FODMAP diet can be a tool in our toolbox, but like we unpacked last week with K, it is a process and it's most important that we control the non-FODMAP related factors first if we are struggling with irritable bowel syndrome or IBS-like symptoms like ongoing bloating, gas and flatulence, constipation, diarrhea, or a bit of both. And so 
First, we need to make sure that we're eating regular meals, we're having regular meal times, we're getting enough water, that we're not irritating the bowel with too much fat, caffeine or alcohol, we're eating the right amount of fiber, we're looking after the gut-brain axis, we're sleeping enough, we're exercising well, we have screened the medications and supplements for any irritants there. Any known intolerances should be well managed. Lots of people lactose intolerant but kind of don't really follow the the guides to avoid excess lactose so they're setting themselves off all the time. So there's lots of things that we need to try first before we get to a low FODMAP diet. Oftentimes just doing those preliminary strategies are enough to get such a good outcome that we don't need to progress to the low FODMAP diet in many cases. In some cases we do and that's okay. But it's important that we do things in the sequence that they're meant to be done in to prevent unnecessary over-restriction when we could have got you a great outcome with less. So hope that answers your question. And so, so thrilled to see all these gut health questions. I'm going to be answering so much more in the masterclass uh, on March 23rd. Pumped for it. All right, let's get into this endobelly episode. So first off, what is endobelly? It's a common term that's used in the endometriosis community, but what does it actually mean? So endobelly is not a medical term or a medical diagnosis, but rather a colloquial term used to describe the painful abdominal pain and distension that is commonly experienced by those with endometriosis. The belly may be tended to the touch and it may be a combination of inflammation and fluid retention as well as excess gases from the digestive system all compounding to create that pregnant looking bump. It can last hours, days or in some cases weeks and it's so cruel especially for those who are trying to conceive and desperately hoping that they are pregnant to look so pregnant but not be pregnant. Oh my God, we all have those stories of someone coming up to you and congratulating you for your bump, but really it's endo belly. Oh my goodness. Another message, please don't compliment bumps or like, just don't, just don't do it. Even if they are pregnant, let them tell you they are pregnant. (laughs) So important. Now, as it is not an official diagnosis, but an extremely commonly reported symptom, all of my tricks and tips that I'm going to share with you today are more about anecdotal evidence or a transferred from other conditions and management strategies that work, particularly irritable bowel syndrome, as we discussed in the low FODMAP diet episode with Kay. This is likely due to the commonality between endometriosis and IBS being visceral hypersensitivity, which is that sensitivity of the nerve endings that innervate the abdomen. So when they stretch from the gas or fluid contents of the gut, This may be a normal gas or fluid amount, but our nerves are simply more sensitive to a smaller volume. So, for example, if you eat something and you create five liters of gas, say, let's just come up with a random number, and your partner or your friend eats the same thing and they create five liters of gas, they may not feel bloated at all and you're on the couch with a heat pack, you know, in agony with bloating. And so that's that kind of demonstration of visceral hypersensitivity at play. So here are my practical tips when you are managing endobelly in the moment. So you've, you've got the pregnant bump happening. What are we going to do? Bit of a flare up. You're feeling crummy, sad, tired, and honestly, sorry for yourself. It's totally, totally understandable. I'm with your sister. So I'm going to give you some simple tips to help you in the moment. And then we're going to shift gears. I'm going to talk about more about the long-term management strategies to help you prevent endobelly arising as frequently as it does for you. Number one, things to do in the moment. Sounds simple, but rest. If you can, get comfy, get horizontal, whatever you need to do. 
if you can. Number two, for some people, heat or cold packs can help with endo belly just to help soothe it in the moment. My preference is heat. A lot of people like cold because they feel quite inflamed. Number three, peppermint tea or peppermint oil capsules that you can get from the pharmacy. These can really, really help with gas release. I recommend them frequently after a laparoscopy where they pump you full of gas, but you can use them anytime. Just a heads up, peppermint oil capsules are not indicated if you are pregnant. So obviously this is one to use uh, before or after pregnancy counterintuitive here but tip number four is just make sure you're well hydrated so you can keep those bowels working avoid constipation which can exacerbate that swelling and that pain and may also exacerbate that estrogen reactivation via the gut microbiome which i've talked about a few times i've talked about in the estrogen episode i've talked about in the gut hormone axis episode we had the gut microbiome episode the other week so Please go back and explore if you want to learn more about this estrogen reactivation I'm referring to. And I'll talk about it more in the masterclass as well. Tip number five is try to manage foods that you can tolerate in that moment. Avoiding food can sometimes worsen other symptoms like nausea. So just keep that in mind. It might not be the most nutritious thing. It might just be some crackers or my favorite is some salted popcorn or some dried toast. And Sometimes it's just like jelly snakes. It's like my favorite nausea thing. Sour, sour lollies are so yummy when you're feeling a bit yucky. Or some other comfort food. Prioritize getting something in here, not being too nitpicky about the what. Um, a lot of people hyper-focus on what to eat in that exact moment to make them feel better, but it's it's not going to pass because you ate spinach, you know. So do what you can manage. If it's something super nutritious, great. If it's not, also great. Not a problem. My last two tips are wear some loose fitting clothing. So a nightgown, a sleep tee, a dress if you're at work, the less elastic around the tummy, the better. Get out of those gym leggings into something a lot comfier to help with the pain and avoid using too much tight fitting lycra leggings around your abdominal muscles in general because what happens is all those muscles that keep the organs in, they kind of just hit snooze a little bit because lycra is doing a lot of the work. And thus, when it's gone, it may result in a little bit more expansion and the muscles don't know what to do. They've got to wake up and yeah, it can definitely worsen. So let it all out, Endoria. You do not need to hide it under a tight fitting leggings. Try something loose fitting instead. And my last tip for in the moment soothing the endo belly is, of course, you can utilize things like pain medications or a lot of people also use medical CBD under the guidance of their medical practitioner, which is also another option. Okay, so what do we do about preventing endo belly? So obviously, if endometriosis symptoms were 100% preventable, all these strategies were foolproof, none of us would be in pain or struggling with endo belly at all. And obviously, if you know me, my ethos is not about trying to heal you of endo or cure you of endo because we know that that isn't true or the case, and if only it were that simple. But I think it's important to acknowledge the role that some strategies and nutrition can have in the long term with endo belly management, other symptom management strategies that are going to help reduce the frequency and severity of these kinds of flare-ups. Because ultimately, when we work with clients at the dietologist, we are aiming for fewer and less intense endobelly episodes. We're not necessarily aiming for zero, although that's always a nice win too. And the reason why we get an improvement is not because of what people do on the day that they're getting their endobelly symptoms. It's, It's what they're doing day in and day out. 
not just on the not so great days. So here are my top tips for preventing endo belly in the first place. Knowing full well, it may still happen of its own accord. Welcome to the world of unpredictable chronic conditions. Overall, we need to adopt an anti-inflammatory style diet, rich in antioxidants from fruits and veggies, nuts, seeds, extra virgin olive oil, herbs and spices, and oily fish from omega-3s, and minimize excess pro-inflammatory food sources like saturated fats from fatty cuts of meat, bacon, and other processed meats like ham, for example. Pastries, biscuits, butter and coconut products and palm oil and more and excess alcohol and added sugars. Now, the details I have gone into in much more detail in last year's anti-inflammatory eating for endo episode as part of the mini series. And last year's masterclass was all about anti-inflammatory eating for endo as well. You can sign up for that one too um, and watch it, uh, watch the replay anytime. So I'll leave those links in the show notes for you too. My next tip is to avoid constipation. Get enough water, fiber, and movement as a great starting point. Even two green kiwi fruit per day is a great hack to improve bowel regularity and avoid constipation thanks to a particular enzyme found in kiwi fruit called actin. But honestly, too much poop in your bowel is going to make you feel bloated and sluggish at best and distended at worst and may increase the risk of rising already high estrogen levels by reactivating that already deactivated estrogen from the liver that was on its way out to the toilet bowl. The next thing is to be aware of your food and other lifestyle triggers, if any. Everybody is unique, but many people struggle with food-related triggers with their endometriosis, especially when they overaccumulate. So things like alcohol, excess saturated fat, I'm looking at that drippy melted cheese and salami on that pizza causing the intense bloat, more so than the wheat and the gluten in most cases. But yours may be different. So keep note, and if you're stuck, consider booking in with us at the dietologist and we can help you troubleshoot. If you do have a diagnosis of IBS or IBS-like symptoms and other digestive issues such as celiac disease or IBD, if they've all been excluded or if that you have a diagnosis of those, you should manage them well using nutrition as well as medically. But depending on your symptoms and your history, you may want to trial a low FODMAP diet with a dietitian supervising you. Please do not do this alone. Please do not just download the app and try to navigate it yourself. As Kay went into last week on the low FODMAP episode, it's way, way harder to fly solo on that one. And it's just so much better if you get help for it. So a lot of the times FODMAPs, which are fermentable carbohydrates, uh, if we're sensitive to them, we're not going to digest them in the small bowel, but rather they're going to end up in the large bowel and they're going to increase that gas and fluid production. So a lot of times once we settle down those digestive symptoms, the endo belly can settle as well. So we're tackling it from an inflammatory standpoint, endo is an inflammatory disease, and we're also tackling it from a digestive standpoint. But here is something I really wanted to emphasize very quickly. Getting endo belly, getting an episode of it does not mean you are failing at managing your endometriosis. And additionally, I don't want you to label all of your symptoms as endometriosis and delay getting further investigations. Although nobody wants another diagnosis of a medical concern, it is important to note that not everything, every experience and symptom that you're having may be caused by endometriosis. And I don't know you and your personal story to give nuance to that, but I've just heard far too many stories of people just going, oh yeah, that that blood in my poo, just endometriosis. Or, oh yeah, this ongoing bloating issue, that's just endometriosis. And as a result, they delay getting further help 
further investigations. And then, you know, we might find out months, years down the line that you had another diagnosis that potentially could have been decently easily managed or required a completely new management approach that we've just missed. So please don't presume it is just endobelly. Seek help, see your doctor, especially if you're experiencing any of those red flag symptoms I mentioned in the other episode, the gut microbiome and endometriosis episode that is um, really, really critical. So to wrap up this episode, endobelly is a common symptom of endometriosis, although not formally recognized as a diagnosis or it's not on the list of symptoms when you Google symptoms of endo, right? It is likely a combination of inflammation and gastric contents and other sensitivities that layer on top of each other and contribute. There are a few key strategies you can utilize for immediate relief, but start shifting your thinking to longer-term management to reduce the frequency and severity of endobelly occurring so you can live life to the fullest each and every day without the fear of the old endobelly striking and, of course, those unsolicited comments about said belly. Ugh, the worst. If you want to learn more about nourishing your gut with endometriosis, then come and join me for our upcoming live masterclass in honor of Endometriosis Awareness Month, the Nourishing Your Gut for Endometriosis Masterclass, which I'll be delivering to you live Thursday, March 23rd at 7 p.m. Sydney or Melbourne time. You can join anywhere in the world and catch the replay for 90 days too. Come and join me to learn the relationship between endometriosis and gut health, including the gut microbiome, based on the latest research. Get practical strategies to help support your gut microbiome health, as well as tackle any bothersome common gut concerns like bloating, constipation, diarrhea, and nausea with super practical tips that you can take away and implement. Tickets are on sale now. The link is in our show notes. Please secure your seat. It is quickly approaching. And of course, you'll get the ticket to the live event, the recording for 90 days and the downloadable workbook all included for just 75 Aussie dollars and $10 will be donated to the Pelvic Pain Foundation of Australia. Don't forget to tune in next week for more endometriosis content as part of our Endometriosis Awareness Month mini-series in March. Thanks for tuning into the episode. Follow on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It makes such a difference to our little podcast, reaching more people and growing. Don't forget to share it with someone who would find it interesting too. And I will catch you next week. Bye. Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast, acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connections to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to First Nation cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all First Nations people tuning in today. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation.